0: Talk Live. feature your show and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website totally free, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. As always, lots to talk about tonight. Your calls are primary if you make them And, uh, of course, we'll talk to you about, uh, well, virtually anything. We're going to start things out, though, by going across the pond to see what's going on in the United Kingdom. because Not only because we're an international show and people around the world are listening, but also because it's important to follow developments in other countries to see what could be coming to your country soon. Because that's how it works. One country's government will implement some sort of awful new law
1: and then your country's government will say,
2: yeah,
1: we should have that right. too. The politicians love control. They love um, tyranny, although they won't call it tyranny. They they love having control and they love having their little fingers and everything because God knows we, the the peons, couldn't manage on our own to figure these things out. We need the state mm-hmm. to run everything. And so when they see a state elsewhere, managing to uh, get involved in people's lives in some new, obtrusive way, then they think, hmm, that could be us. So, to London, Reuters reporting,
0: England has slammed the door on smoking in bars, workplaces, and public buildings on Sunday in what campaigners hail as the biggest booth to, boost rather to public health since the creation of the National Health Service in 1948. The chief medical officer, Liam Donaldson, said there would be teething problems with the change. That's an interesting term, huh? Teething? I thought that's what babies do. But anyway, maybe it's a British thing. But he expected people to comply with the new law. He told BBC television, quote, The other places that have introduced it, both overseas and also the other UK countries, have had very few problems. England is a very big country, so there are bound to be some teething problems with implementing it. But on the whole, the majority of smokers and non-smokers wanted this change, so I expect people to comply with it very, very straightforwardly. He said he expected a reduction of more than 1% in the number of smokers as a result of the ban. Wow, man. That's
1: pretty big uh, ex- expectations there, huh? 1%. Yeah, really, well, uh, uh, that's not really... Setting <laughs> their sights high. Yeah, you would think they'd try a little more. Now, that's 1% of smokers, and that's not 1% of the population from, say, there, say there's 25% of the population that smokes. That's not going to go from 25 to 24%. Right. It's going to go from... 25% to 24.75%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Deborah Arnott, the J- uh, Director
0: Charity of Action on Smoking and Health, welcomed the ban. She said, smoking is the single most preventable cause of death. Workers have a right to a safe environment, and the harm done by
1: tobacco smoke is Well, she's now- a liar or an idiot, because um, if it is the single uh, most preventable cause of death, then it's not, which it's not, I mean, it, what about cars? It, we could prevent mm. people from getting in cars. Now, I know that uh, it sounds ludicrous because cars are important. It's important for people to be able to get back and forth, um, back and forth to work, and all those other things. Car transportation, the ability to move yourself from one place to another, is important. Yes. Well, I say the ability to make a decision for yourself, the the personal liberty that one has as to, um, that to make to decide whether or not to smoke, is also extremely important. So, if you're willing to throw away that personal liberty, I'm willing to throw away the ability to transport yourself. I say cars are the single biggest, most um, preventable. Uh, form of uh, death in England or whatever. I I would
0: agree with that, and and I think you're right. She is either um, just an idiot or lying because workers don't have a right to a safe environment. What about all the workers that are working in you know danger
1: under dangerous conditions? For what instance? about the guy what who about... cleans smokestacks? Does he have a right to a uh, safe environment? Right. Does he have a right to turn off gravity? <laughs> well, you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah,
0: anyone working on a ladder, that sort of thing, construction, tremendously Mm -hmm. dangerous uh, area to work in. Uh, I mean, police officers, obviously not necessarily the safest of jobs in some cases. So clearly, as a worker, you in a free country or at least a relatively free country where you, you get to choose what you do instead of having the government decide for you, you have the ability to decide, hmm. Do I want to work this risky job and get paid commensurate to the risk? Or do I want to work this nice, safe retail job where I stand behind a cash register all day and, you know, get paid a few bucks an hour? So... You get paid more typically in jobs where there's a lot of risk involved. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, even in cash register jobs, you get paid more at a convenience store than you would get paid at, say, uh, a Walmart, for instance. Because, And especially if you're working the overnight shift. Overnight convenience store workers, they get paid fairly well compared to the other people around the clock because... It's just a higher likelihood that somebody's going to come in there and point a gun at you during those times. Well, that and it's a crappy shift to work. Well, oh, that much is true it. as well. But so yeah, workers should be able to choose their risk. And here she is saying that they have a right to a safe environment. Just not. Just not true. But artist David Hockney, who'd been waging a campaign against the ban, called it a grotesque piece of social engineering imposed by a political and media elite. The English ban means smoking in in enclosed public places such as pubs will now be banned across the entire United Kingdom. Wales and Northern Ireland outlawed public smoking in April following the lead of Scotland last year. Ireland and other European countries have also banned smoking indoors, while some parts of Canada and a
1: number of U.S. states have had strict controls on smoking for years, as we well know here in the United States. Right, I don't think that this is uh, amazing, considering that England is probably landmass-wise, not nearly as large as uh, the amount of states that have uh, banned um, smoking in bars here. Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. It's certainly not unprecedented. However, there
0: are some interesting factors that this is the whole country of yeah. England, and it's also a total ban. Uh, it's a total ban on any indoor smoking, bars, workplaces, public buildings. So there's, the period. there's not, not even, not cigar even shop, indi- shops, huh? there's not even an exemption for the bars like in Florida where we come from there was a like if, if you sold what was
1: it 15% i think or right if it was a standalone building and it was a um full fledged bar as opposed to an eating establishment then you could in fact yeah less than smoke. 50% 50, excuse me 15% of your sales had to be food stuff mm-hmm. so 15% or
0: less right Uh, Let's see. The legislation is designed to protect people from the effects of secondhand smoke at work, which doctors estimate kills more than 600 people a year. That's not a lot of people, even if that estimate is true. That's not a lot. Didn't they used to estimate that it was 50,000 people? Oh, no, that's 50,000 total, right? They're claiming that only 600 people a year die from secondhand smoke in workplaces in Great Britain. Anyway, a quarter of adults smoke, with a higher level among those doing manual and routine jobs. Individuals lighting up against the law face a fine of up to 200 pounds, while businesses can be charged up to 1,000 pounds for failing to display no smoking signs in affected areas, which also include minicaps, company cars, and, yes... Even churches. Churches didn't even get out of this one, Mark. You remember the uh, the recent New Hampshire smoking ban? They at least exempted, uh, they exempted churches, I believe. They exempted the Kiwanis Clubs and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. Private clubs. Offshore oil rigs, hotel rooms, and prison cells are among the few places where public smoking will continue to be permitted. People will also still be able to smoke at home. I'm For now, prison cells uh, in, in Florida, you can't smoke in jail either. Not everyone supports the new laws, but most are resigned to them. Richard Lilly, a 37-year-old law firm printer relaxing with a cigarette and a pint of beer in a pub, said he didn't want to give up smoking because he enjoys it. Quote, I won't bother going to the pub. I'll drink at home. I enjoy a beer with a cigarette. It's part of the culture. Unquote. Others will sit or stand outside with many pubs installing rain awnings and patio heaters to accommodate smokers. Now... Anybody who's been paying attention to the smoking bans here in the United States knows exactly where this is going to go next, because what we've seen here is that once they implement the smoking ban, as far as indoor establishments are concerned, which they're doing now in the United Kingdom, the next step is inevitably to remove the smokers from the doorways, to Mm -hmm. remove them from near open windows, and that uh, that sort of thing, as though if... Secondhand smoke was such a problem inside a room, it's still that much of a problem when a little wisp of smoke were to blow in from someone standing by the door or the window or something like that. I mean, it's just they they take it as extreme as they can get it step by step. They won't do it all at once, but that's what's coming next. Watch. Just wait, Great Britain. That's what's coming next. Um, you won't be able to smoke near the door of your favorite establishment. you have to be 25 feet away like some cities in California. Yeah. Uh, and then inevitably... It's going to get to the point, there have been some places in the United States where they have banned smoking in apartment buildings. Right, you're too close to other people. You're, you're right next door. Exactly right. Um, so that's coming down the pipe. As soon as that happens, then we'll, we, then we'll inevitably go to the next step, which is a total ban on smoking. Now, no one else has done that yet. No city or locality or state or anything has gone that far, but it's just a question of who will do it first, yeah, right? It's a question of when. More on the way. You take control. 800-259-9231. Do you agree with these smoking bans? Would love to hear from you. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Some of those features include live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at Free Talk Live. Dot com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the second American revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. As we go to the phones, to the fun. Ladies first, it's Roxanna in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live, Roxanna. Hi, how are
3: you doing?
0: Great. What's on your mind?
3: Well, I was just uh, wanting to come in regarding, uh, I listened to the last last week's programs regarding immigration and I said, like, on Saturday, I joined with some of my friends, and, um, I'm here under a TM visa, and I'm just getting ready to get the green card, just because it's the easiest process for me to get another job, or, uh, study my master here, or while I'm here. Okay. But, uh, people were saying, uh, immigration, I don't know why the topic came by, and, um, it's hard to, the person, to really, uh, understand what, why you feel like an immigrant when you are here, because they don't understand, like, uh, like to be here, I'm privileged because I'm able to afford a visa, and other other persons cannot. Right. Like, what the is what does becomes... a visa cost? Well, if you are on the TM visa, it's about eight hundred dollars. Wait, wait, including... slow down,
0: slow down a second. I'm having a little trouble understanding. Are you saying TM or the word teen? Teen visa? No.
3: T- uh, well, there are different types of visa actually that you can in the, in under you can come here to this country and work. One of them is the TM visa. That is the uh, the NAFTA visa and is granted to Canadians and Mexicans only who have a bachelor degree or so, uh-huh. and they are qualified for working here.
0: Wait, you have a, you have to have a degree to get this visa? Yes. Okay, so you have yes. to have gone through the process of uh, college, which obviously costs something, and then there's a what was it four hundred dollars you said? Eight eight
3: hundred.
0: Eight hundred dollars. So the cost of college in your home country. Plus eight hundred dollars in
1: order to, to get a visa to come to the Roxana, United States. Roxana, how much time did you put in trying to get this visa?
3: Um, this one, if you have a sponsorship, I mean, if you get someone that wants you to work here, it's uh, it takes uh, about three months. If you pay a thousand dollars for premium processing, <laughs> otherwise it takes six months.
0: So it's a thousand dollars plus the eight hundred dollar fee. Yes. Gotcha. Eighteen hundred bucks. Yes. Now you come from uh, from Mexico. And so of the people that you lived with or lived near down in Mexico who would have wanted to come to the United States, what percentage of them could afford the $1,800 plus the the college that they'd have to, uh, to pony up in order to come here?
3: Well, really a few. Because, well, m- myself, I went to a private school. And, um, well, I'm not rich, I'm, I'm not wealthy, but uh, I'm medium class. So mm-hmm. if you work a little bit harder, I mean, you can afford it, but... Um, but most of the people who want to come, um or it's uh, illegal, we, is looking for a better life because uh, the work in Mexico is really bad. Even for a professional, it, it's sometimes really bad. So they stay so- for a year.
0: So Roxanne, or Roxanna rather, when you're down, when you were down in Mexico, we get all these um, people calling this show. As you've heard, obviously, uh, we get these people calling in claiming that I think what the guy on Saturday, one of the guys said was, "Well, most immigrants they just want to take welfare." And I of course rebutted that, and I I asked the guy, "Well, how many immigrants he knew?" He didn't answer the question. We ended the call. But um, when you were down in Mexico, of your friends and the people you talked to about moving to the United States, and and those that might have expressed an interest, a similar interest, how many of them told you, Roxana, I'm I really want to go to um to the United States so I can get myself some free education and uh and I wanna get some free health care and I wanna get uh, I wanna suck off the teat of the welfare state. How many of them None. told you that?
3: None. None. Hmm. None because um we we well my, in my, I can talk for myself. I, I come here just because I wanted to, I mean, for me, it was challenging to move from Mexico to here and, um start a career here by myself. You know, I have the tools. I have my degree. I, um learn English and I'm pretty well technically in what I'm doing, right? So the, the reason I, there is an opportunity there, right? It depends on the person how hard they want to work in order to gain respect in the, in the environment you are working on, and you know, walk, walk through. I mean, it's not something that is granted, and people sometimes I think don't don't understand that part. Um, the opportunity came, and you can take it, or and you can do whatever do, you want.
0: Now, so basically, what you're saying is that, for, at least of the people you knew, you weren't, you did not know anyone who was interested in coming here for welfare.
3: No.
1: Now, Rox- um, Roxana, when you When you interact with uh, Americans, do you ever feel like some of them don't want you here? Yes. Of course. Even though you're so-called legal, they still don't want you here. You're a legal legal immigrant, and people tell me all the time on this radio show they don't have any problems with legal immigrants at all. And I don't believe them. It's the illegal ones that bother them. But I really think that they might just be bigots. And it's just a guess. Now, tell me what some of your experiences are like, like what the the feelings are that you get that you're not welcome. What do they say or what do they do, et cetera?
3: Well, well, because I'm in a company, I mean, you need to kind of behave. But sometimes, I mean, they just make it more difficult to get the information. You need to do your work, right? So um, either you need to stay away and learn by yourself or, you know, get a little bit of information from this person. And sometimes they don't want to help you. So Mm -hmm. what you need to do is... uh, I don't know. So they're sort of You're,
1: sabotaging you at at work a little bit.
3: Sometimes. Okay. It can guess at the beginning, but nowadays, I mean, since I had been doing a really good job, I mean, you know, you gain respect through time. So, but at the beginning, it was kind of.
1: Oh, yeah, I absolutely believe that, Roxanne. It's very easy to hate a class of people. It's not easy to hate one person. Once you get to know the person and realize, oh, this is a pretty good guy or gal, and um, I guess I don 't want to be mean to them, but it 's easy to hate those damn Mexicans. What about the language barrier? A lot
0: of them claim a lot of the uh, the anti immigration people claim that uh, people will come here not not learn English that sort of thing, which of course we rebut all the statistics show differently, but just in your personal uh, your personal viewpoint, your personal experience of the uh, presumably you 've uh, linked up with some other hispanics while you uh, since you 've moved. Um, have you noticed that uh, you know, a certain percentage of them don't speak any English at all. or they? Uh, is their attitude very positive towards learning English? How would you describe? Uh, Do you they want to that? learn English?
3: They want to learn English. It's really positive because, um, I mean, now in order we are in global world, right? So in order to be able to um, have more opportunities and uh, good chances to grow in a company, you need to be willing what you have to. And now, either you want to learn Chinese or French, like I started learning French and started learning Chinese and wow, japanese awesome. and I I'm trying to speak English right now, but I mean, I worked through because I wanted to get ready to wherever i will i I was able to interact with other persons and I wanted to learn the culture too, so I think it's um, it's up to you how open you are to to go wherever you go i awesome. mean. If I want to stay here, I will stay here. I mean, it's a great opportunity. I like my job, and I'm doing pretty well at at, that, and I know good people. And how long have you been here so far? Two years. Two or three? Two.
0: Awesome. Roxana. we really appreciate you calling in and and helping to uh, combat Some of the common misperceptions that so many Americans have about the uh, the immigration situation here in this country. Uh, You are uh, an amazing person, and congratulations on making it this far. I hope you keep it up, and uh, I'm personally proud to have Roxana here in the United States of America. I don't know about you, Mark. I agree. Thank you, Roxana. We appreciate it. And hopefully, you'll call us again. More on the way. You can take control. Sounds like she is, and like a lot of people are. A A lot of others are too. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show and you can bring up whatever you want toll free at 800 259 9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And, Mark, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we can give them away. You can get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, Uh, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats, of course. These people want your money, home and car. What have you done to protect yourself at KeepYourAssets.net? They're experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. As we go to the phones, to the fun. It is Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Tom, what's on your mind?
4: Yeah, here's what some of these people are thinking. Like, uh, these immigrants are coming in. And they're uh, changing the whole cultural scene here, you see. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Joey, he goes down to the bar and he gets drunk. And he drives and he crashes. And the investigators find out where he got drunk. And then they go down. uh, The the place loses their license. So now he's got to go find another bar to do his drinking at goes down to there, and it's all these Hispanic people, and they don't want to watch uh, baseball. They want to watch soccer. And so the, the solution to that, of course, is to hire all these gun-toting goons in bulletproof vests to go down there and haul these people out, out of the country and make them leave, leave the country so that way it'll be all English-speaking people who want to talk about uh, baseball instead of uh, Hawk soccer, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's a little jaded and cynical, but I can see where you're coming from, Tom.
4: Yeah, anyway, uh, th- that's what that's about. The problem, uh, now what uh, the free staters need to do once they take over New Hampshire... Well, they're not going to take
0: over without uh, voluntary assistance from the rest of the population, but uh, go ahead.
4: You know, what they need to do after they take over and then <laughs> secede from the union is they got, they're going to have freedom... And they're going to have this libertopian, libertarian utopia, but it's going to be uh, tough to keep it that way. So, you know, some of the things they've got to do to keep it that way, I think they're going to have to... Uh... Pass a law to make everybody become a libertarian and pay taxes to contribute to libertarian campaigns. Yeah, that doesn't sound
0: very libertarian to me, Tom. I don't know. uh, Have you been drinking Kool Aid over the the weekend or something?
4: No. When the the newspapers want to print all these uh, editorials, bad press against the libertarians and hurt the libertarians. Uh, chances of getting re-elected, then, uh, you know, we've got to make a law against that. Set up a committee that's going to screen everything that the newspapers want to print before they can print it to make sure that, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, consistent with keeping our freedom. Well, I can know? tell you, and, Tom, and,
0: if, uh, if libertarians, so-called, start, acti- uh, start doing things like that, they can expect me yeah. to oppose them every step of the way. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. And myself. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Stay here. That
1: doesn't sound like a place I want to live in. Yeah, I I don't want to see the Libertarian Party, quote unquote, take over um, where the Democrats and Republicans have left off yeah. and just increase the size of the bureaucracy by or you know force people to do things. That's the reason I am a Libertarian, although I'm not a Libertarian Party member.
0: I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see the states secede. I agree with that much. Uh, I think that'd be nice. And then while we're at it,
1: we should abolish the state government uh, entirely and open the borders. That'd um, be fun. Yeah, I'm not really interested in uh, all that. Um, I would like, however, to see the uh, size of the government uh, shrink here in New Hampshire, and perhaps uh, New Hampshire put some pressure on the federal government to uh, not implement all of its uh, tyrannical crap here in this state. What if the federal
0: government says, well, we're going to do it anyway? Well, that's a what if what scenario. Point, what, would t-
1: what would it take to push you to the point of being a secessionist? Did you ever see uh, George Wallace? Now, th- this isn't the greatest example because George Wallace, I I'm not really on his side, but George mm-hmm. Wallace, the governor of Alabama, um, stand with his uh, troopers. Uh, I can't remember. It was in somewhere. the door of the school. Yeah, the door of the school mm-hmm. to prevent some black kids from coming in. That that governor stood up to the state. Now, I'm not saying that I uh, support George Wallace, although I do support states' rights. It gets it gets very muddy there. States can't have rights. Only individuals have rights. Oh, but I get the concept. That's great.
0: 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Frank?
5: Hi, gentlemen. Hey, How are you doing? You?
0: Good. What's up?
5: Good. I wanted to uh, comment on uh, Irving Leibowitz's pardon from Bush. Or I mean, Scooter Libby's pardon from Bush today. Uh, Is that a political really joke? Because it went way over my head. Well, what happened is uh bush uh, uh pardoned libby today by commuting his sentence
0: isn 't that nice
5: and uh, it it's really i think it I think it represents another action by a president that 's really lost touch with the reality of the world surrounding him and i was looking i was reading some of the historians that the presidential historians such as McCulloch that have commented upon uh, Jerry Ford and his place in history by pardoning Richard M. Nixon, uh, while Nixon was never really convicted of, you know, a crime in a sense. Uh, but, uh, by that I mean he never went to trial. So right. when Nixon resigned, he really didn't need a pardon legally.
2: Hmm. And,
5: uh, you know, how, in a sense, that whole process was sort of muddied up in the past. But I did want to say this about. Uh, Scooter Libby. He was convicted during the Iran-Contragate uh, of illegal actions and was pardoned by uh, Bush, uh, Bush 41, and what we find interesting is the fact that this is the second time. And, that is interesting. Uh, wow.
0: Sure is nice to have political connections, isn't it?
5: Well, not just that, but I think it represents, really, I think, in many ways, the end of the Constitutional Republic. Oh, and that's
0: been I dead for years. And I would
5: say this, that, that really, this is another feather in the cap for impeachment regarding Bush and Cheney.
0: Sure, but that's and, not going to happen either.
5: Well, no, and that's really, I think that's really the problem. But sadly... Uh, and that's
0: because they all work together. You know you know that, right, Frank? Oh, I mean, of course
5: I know right. that, in the networking. But I think it represents really the end of any kind of American respect in the world and within our own political culture. That's why I think it's very interesting with Hillary Clinton. I mean, there's so many questions that are unresolved that I still have regarding uh, Bill Clinton's presidency, such as how did uh, Hillary's uh Rose Law Firm documents end up in her second floor closet in the White House. You know there are many issues that still haven't been resolved. Now wait,
0: was it Rose Law Firm? was that the coke dealing thing? What was well, that? also
5: that, but it also had dealt with Vince Foster's files. Right. That That's the guy the who FBI ended up dead in the park.
1: One of the guys, the, yeah.
5: Repeat that. Pardon me.
1: That was the guy who ended up dead in the park.
5: That's correct that shot himself, supposedly, <laughs> yeah. uh, committed suicide. But what's interesting about it is there's so many questions regarding Hillary's conduct and her effectiveness in Bill Clinton's White House, such as being the expert or the uh, sort of uh, czar on health care reform, when in fact we had nothing more out of Clinton's presidency than more complications with the uh, Uh, medical system, and maybe four TV programs dealing with uh, hospitals and medical care. Well, you know, all your questions... nothing occurred.
0: Right, all your questions are never going to be answered. I mean, you certainly understand that. And I think,
5: really, it points to the fact that individuals, when looking at the ideological spectrum of the United States right now, in the domain of politics, or real politique, uh, the libertarian notion appears very real and satisfying, because in a sense, when we look for the causes of the current historical malaise or our point in time, uh, we can see how government interference has caused so much of this. And looking at sort of a libertarian model that would allow the individual complete freedom to exist, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is very appealing. And it does represent a utopian uh, vision. I
0: don't think it's utopian, though. I mean, it, it'll be a lot better than what we have today, but it's certainly no utopia. And It is... There are certainly... People there, will still commit crimes. Right. And, the free market isn't a perfect place, but damn, it sure would be a lot better than what we have today. Hey, Frank, I, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate okay. it. 800-259-9231. You know, I, I share Frank's concern to some extent about unresolved things in the past. I understand where he's coming from on that, and I think a lot of people would like to get those answers, but they're never going to come. And as every year goes by... They become less and less likely that they ever will, and I was watching this movie that Jim Babka from Downsize DC sent me recently.
1: Yeah, I, and, I wanted to see that.
0: Well, and and it's it's kind of a lot of that, the, the whole idea of people looking for these answers that they're never going to really get. They're looking for justice, right? for the 9-11 thing or whatever, but they're never going to get it. And it's, it's tragic in a way that they believe there's a chance that they could, and they spend so much energy. We can talk about that coming up here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 will be the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go, all the features there. We give them away, though. We do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Join the hundreds of listeners that have decided to amp up. And uh, AMP, by the way, stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is simple. You like the show, send us 3 bucks a month via any major credit card or PayPal subscription, and we'll take that money in and turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live and getting the show on more radio stations, one of which we'll be announcing in a couple hours, or actually less than a couple hours from now, as a matter of fact. Um, and it's working. I mean, the fact is, we're on 27 stations now, uh,
1: nationwide, because of our amplifiers. Right, and the amplifier program isn't just charity for free talk live you get some uh, perks in and the you process get some bonuses the there's amp- a amp only call in line there's, there's a, a forum uh, there's a forum for the a chat room uh, yeah, chat and room. there's more details as well sometimes we throw out
0: just occasional random perks like a while back we put up a picture of you with a mohawk mm-hmm. mark that only the amplifiers had access to so mm-hmm. just little things like that sometimes uh so again get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com let's talk to neil in california you're on free talk live neil what's on your mind
6: How's it going, fellas? Good. I uh, I got a couple. I I got a question that I've had in mind uh, for a little while now. Just thought I'd throw it at you. Uh, yeah. You gentlemen uh, consider yourself libertarians?
0: Yeah, a libertarian free marketeer. That's me.
6: Right, right. Well, as as most of you know, the uh, the the libertarian uh, rest, uh, libertarianism rests upon the the non-aggression axiom. That is to say that the initiation of the use of force is banned. That's correct. Uh, basically. Um, So my question is really for for the minarchists out there. That would be Um, me. Yeah. Okay. If you don't want to use force to maintain your limited government, how are you going to stop competing forces from arising and uh, providing the same services that your government would provide?
1: How would you prevent um, forces from, like, you know, starting a separate little army?
6: No, 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 no. Like like starting up uh, private protection agencies.
1: I, there are currently private protection agencies in the sense that uh, you know security guards and all that sort of thing. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't see a uh, problem there. There's currently other militaries out there. For instance, you could hire a mercenary squad. I don't th- I don't mm-hmm. know if it's necessarily legal. You may have to go through the Ivory Coast in order to get these guys, but you could do such a thing.
6: Right, but but my 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 question more uh, more stems from the idea that the uh, the citizen and the government that you live under uh, they they have a contractual agreement would you would you force uh people f- uh from uh not uh, uh signing up with your uh with the uh, the territory that you cover and instead uh, provide or you know paying for another uh, 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 um, uh group of individuals to uh, provide them their law and their security
1: that's so sort so of what the state does is they take a um, geographic area and they mm-hmm. say we are the sole providers of force in this particular area yes. so um in that particular sense Yes, I would probably um, not allow people to obey different laws and um, you know sign up you know with some organization that say exists in the uh, um, you know in, in people's imagination and uh, right. obey See, their Mark, laws. Mark hasn't okay. actu- Mark
0: doesn't actually believe in the non-initiation of force.
6: Okay, so... That's why he's so, a an anarchist. But, but then how can you call yourself a libertarian... See, he can't. ...if well, you just... violate the non-aggression axiom?
1: Right. I understand what you're saying, and exactly um, the the non-aggression uh, statement is, in fact, an anarchist slogan. It is not a libertarian sort of slogan. What would you call somebody who is... No, it's a libertarian slogan. I mean, it's been Right, the... then all libertarians are anarchists? Well, well it... no, it's...
6: It, well, I mean, it, eventually, once they figure it out, but you know it, the the whole principle of libertarianism is not initiation not initiating the use of force that's what libertarianism okay. is
1: okay i understand what you're saying but um what you're saying libertarian is ism is is anarchism so we well, have a word for anarchists and we we need a word for people um who are minarchists um to go under this sort of big umbrella that is minarchist and libertarian essentially has meant that up to this point no, it really hasn't. It's only meant that up to this point in your mind, Mark,
0: because uh, well, you want to be a libertarian, you like the the ideas that libertarians are putting out there, you just can't quite get rid of, you know, the very the last vestiges of the state in your mind. I would say I there's mean, a lot of people The libertarian movement has been around a lot longer than you've been calling yourself a libertarian and that non-aggression axiom has been with it since the very beginning. So if you don't like that term, then you should just call there yourself are a minarchist. A, minimalist, lot, a Mark. lot of people out
1: there <laughs> Whoa, we gotta let you go. Don't know what happened there, but he's gone. (laughs) Funny noise. Um, There are a lot of people out there that call themselves libertarians that believe in some form of state or another. Are those people illegitimate libertarians in your mind? By definition. The 90, 95% of libertarians out there?
0: I don't know if it's 90 or 95%. I haven't seen any studies on that. That's a number you just made up. I'm I'm just uh, guessing. But no, they they aren't real uh, libertarians. I mean, we we appreciate they're not real anarchists. I appreciate them, and I wish you'd stop using that that's term. That's what Mark. it
1: is. That's no. what it means. No. It's, it's Anarchi- got a definition. The, the, the term and that's what
0: it is. The term anarchist is typically associated with bomb throwers, violent individuals, people uh, and I don't associate and it with that. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. But if you keep using that term, it, people are going to misunderstand what you're referring to. Anarchists per se mark have not taken a pledge that says I do not support the initiation of political force. I think that's an important or, or uh, rather any force. I don't support the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. That is not something that is uh, that is necessarily aligned with anarchy. Anarchists can be of all sorts of uh, can be all sorts of different breeds. There are of course anarcho-capitalists, there are anarcho-socialists, there are anarcho-syndicalists no, and none of those people have taken the non-aggression
1: uh, uh, the non-aggression pledge as libertarians have. So there so, is a- a significant now, difference in order to be a libertarian you think that somebody needs to take this pledge that you're talking about that i will not initiate uh, force against someone it's, to, it's to the get only... hold on i'm not done um, to get political or social gains um in, in order to be a libertarian they have to take that pledge and um, to take that pledge they have to believe in a government or no well you can't possibly yes or no. you, you believe can in believe or no.
0: in the government okay you can believe because when i became a libertarian mark um, back in the early part of this uh, this decade i I, I still believed in government doing very very few things but I understood when I took that pledge that I could no longer support the initiation of force and as soon as I came to understand that government can't be operated without the initiation of force that's when I rejected government entirely so, so it's a learning that, process
1: so people that are libertarians must in, in according to your definition they must believe in no government is that correct? no they absolutely believe in government, self-government they believe in self-government
0: Mark and that's an important difference, they don't believe in forcing others to live a certain way. They don't believe in that.
1: I think that um, you know, by the term government, I, I guess I mean a group of individuals that have uh, declared for themselves the uh, monopoly on the use of force yeah, in why some would, particular why would, area.
0: Yeah, that would be contrary to uh, to their belief system. So
1: libertarians don't believe
0: in government. Libertarians don't believe in the use of initiated force. one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one 259 9231 is the toll-free number for you. So, you know, I know you're never going you and I are never going to resolve this conflict nope. because you love like the idea of calling yourself a libertarian. And I don't mind. There are plenty of people that call themselves libertarians that aren't really adherents to the philosophy. Um but I'm in, in and I guess the important part is that people that call themselves libertarians that aren't one hundred percent adherents to the non aggression principle are hopefully moving in the right direction. And as they come across new government programs, they come to understand that these things aren't benefiting mankind and they reject them one after one until they finally come to the conclusion that having an armed gang of thugs running around
1: uh, is just not a good thing to have. Well, the mistake you're, mar- you're doing is marrying the non-aggression pledge to being a libertarian, and that is not a foregone conclusion. That is not a def- the definition of what a libertarian is. Yes, that's what you need to take in order to become part of the Libertarian Party. I have never been a mil- member of the. The libertarian only reason,
0: party. the only reason the Libertarian Party, I'm not, a, I'm not talking about the Libertarian Party. I'm just talking about the Libertarian movement in general, which is much more wide, uh, wide cutting than than the party. But the only reason the party uh, took that on. That pledge, that pledge already existed. That that concept, the concept of non-aggression, not initiating force, mm-hmm. that it already existed before the creation of the Libertarian Party. When David Nolan and the other guys that created the Libertarian Party created the party, they said, "Hey, let's have a pledge for people to get into our party, so we know they're serious about this whole non-initiating force thing." And also, the pledge separates them from other parties because other parties don't require that. Um, so that's the only reason why that's attached to the Libertarian Party. Libertarian, the libertarian movement in general is against the, the initiation of force. So if you want to have a government, Mark, that doesn't initiate force on people, then that's fine. You can call that a
1: government and, and be happy with it as long as you live. That's great. Um, I think that you can very easily be a libertarian, believe in some sort of small government. I think that that's what the definition of libertarian is. Um, it's certainly the working definition in today's world is a person who believes in smaller government. Why don't you just start calling yourself a minarchist, then?
0: I don't particularly like that word. Okay. Well, then I won't call you a minarchist if you won't call me an anarchist. How about that? Can we come no to an agreement on that? All right, minarchist, <laughs> 800-259-9231. It certainly sounds more lame than anarchist does. Minarchist. <laughs> I'm minarchist. My name's Mark. <laughs> I, I I just
1: don't... I, I believe in very small government. I don't think people even, even know what the hell the term means. Why use it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a functional word. Well, if you keep calling me an anarchist,
0: you can count on me continuing to rebut you every I didn't bring it up. I'm only using the word as it's defined. More more on the way. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Hour number two is coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's one 800 As we launch into hour number two, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. I had uh, started to touch on a topic last hour, and I said I'd continue on it for a little bit here, and I wanted to do that. Um, Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org, who we haven't had on this show in, uh, in too long of a time. Mm-hmm. I do want to get him back. But he's been waiting to come on because he sent us, you and I, Mark, a DVD to watch. And he's been talking about, if you're on the Downsize DC Dispatch at DownsizedDC.org, you're probably aware of this. Um, he's been talking about this movie called 9-11 Press for Truth. And when I first saw this pop up on the Downsized DC Dispatch, I thought, oh no, Jim's gotten Jim's got infected. He's gone to the dark side. With, uh, not the dark side, <laughs> necessarily, but, but infected with the whole 9-11 truth thing. Mm-hmm. And and the way Jim had been re- writing the articles was very clear that he wasn't a conspiracy theorist. He did not believe that this movie was a conspiracy theory movie. As he put it, the movie just asks questions. And Julia and I sat down last night to to start watching this, because... If Jim Babka asked me to watch a movie, I said, "Okay, it yep. must be important. I'm going to watch it because I respect what Jim has to say." And I've seen enough on the conspiracy thing. Uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen all the conspiracy stuff. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not a, an adherent to that. I'm not a subscriber. I don't want to even get into the conspiracy discussion. But I sat down to watch this movie, and we got about halfway through it. Julia started to get pretty tired, so we we paused it, put it down, and, and went to bed. But man, um. I don't know if I want to finish it, Mark. Why? It's just... It's not the most exciting movies. It's well put together as sort of far a as... A little dry like documentaries can be. Well, but documentaries can be interesting at the same time. No, and not, this, not everyone is, but they can. This isn't one of those conspiracy movies like an Alex Jones film, mm-hmm. uh, for instance... Um, and and I think that, that actually hurts it because it doesn't have that sort of in your face outrageousness that Alex Jones um, can have. Like you know, you don't necessarily agree with everything Alex Jones says, but darn, the guy sure is entertaining at, at what he does. He's very good at at a video presentation. This one's slick, well produced, but it's it's kind of uh, more of like a maudlin tone. It's Uh, Following these families, the uh, the mothers not mothers rather but wives of husbands who died in the 9/11 attacks, and their quest to get answers. From the government uh, on a variety of different questions they i mean as you might imagine mark as 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 soon as the uh, the attacks happened and they lost their husbands, they had nothing left to live for beyond discovering what happened right so yeah. I totally uh, totally understand and uh, and I, I try my best to sympathize with their um, with their situation and mm-hmm. what they're doing, but I think this movie is more for people that don't really that don't really realize how bad the government is.
1: Because, because the government's stonewalling and that sort of thing. Right,
0: that's what it's documented so far. And Again, I've only gone through half of it so far, and I just wanted to share this with you. Maybe you can talk me into watching the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, they talk about the hearings and the 9-11 commission and the mm-hmm. fact that uh, George Bush and Dick Cheney, they wouldn't testify or they, they finally agreed to testify, but it was behind closed doors and no public people were allowed in there. And, and there was, there's just so much sliminess in the federal government, right? So many, so, just such scummy people. And really, this the movie does a good job of pointing that out. You know, it points out that the government this this particular government is awful, and uh, the, you know, plenty of other. Go- and there's not a lot of conspiracy. They do ask some of the same questions that some of the conspiracy theorists ask. So there is, a, you know, there's that tinge of of uh, they don't they don't proffer theories, but they do ask some of the same questions, right? Mm-hmm. They they take they talk on some of the same points, and you know, I've seen it all before. As far as the conspiracy questions and all that goes, and I just, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna have to tell Jim Babka, I, I don't know, I just can't, I don't really want to waste another hour on it, personally. Mm. It's not an eye opener for me. Well, it's it's not, uh, it's not like, ooh, this is shocking, this is outrageous. I already know the government's bad. Maybe. I already,
1: and I know that it's not just this government, it's all governments. So, well, if Jim sent it to you, probably thinks it's important. I mean, he sent it specifically to you. They're probably right. selling this CD elsewhere. Yeah. Um. And likely, so he spent he spent not only the money to get the CD, whether he had to make it or whether um. You know. I think the actual producer it. sent it to us. I think the guy that produced the DVD
0: sent it. So Jim didn't pay for the postage. I and don't all that stuff. think so. No, it came from a different name.
1: Well, you know, if you don't think you can make it through, if you don't want to do it, maybe you should just give Jim a call. You want to t- you want to talk to him anyway. Yeah. Um. Talk to him about being on the show, that kind of thing. Maybe he can talk you. But up the he ledge. also wanted you to watch it,
0: and I don't want to try to. I don't want to talk you down, and I guess mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of interested in. You know, you've heard what I think about it at mm-hmm. this point, so I mean, are you going to give it a shot at least? Are you going to pop? You it certainly in? don't make it seem, sound very interesting. You've never seen any of the 9/11 conspiracy stuff, right? Um, no, I have. Except for really maybe not. a little flash presentation on the internet or right something like right. that. So, I don't know, maybe it'll be a little bit more intriguing for you. I'm not sure about that. But then again, you also know that the government's bad, and so none of this is going to come as a shock or a surprise to you. And I think for, I think for the people that watch this that have never seen anything like it before, I think it'll come as a shock and surprise. Oh, these government guys are so bad. But I already know they're bad. I already know they're awful. So I, I want to finish it, because I told Jim I would. But well. I feel awful. Do you you understand where I'm coming from on this?
1: I do. I I hear what you're saying. Uh, (laughs) What do I do, Mark? People send me books all the time. I don't know why you don't get them. um, I've gotten books from listeners. Regularity that uh, I get them. Yeah. Maybe it's, um, and and a lot of them are from authors and that kind of thing. And I know these people took their time to write the book, took their time to send it out, and they they send it specifically to me, and I want to read their book. And by read, I mean sit down and read it like I normally would. Um, Rather than, you know, reading through the back page, kind of flipping through, checking out the first uh, couple of uh, paragraphs in, in a few chapters, that kind of thing. That's not what I mean by reading. Yeah. What I mean by reading is sit down and read it. But there's no way I could do my job and read all the books that I get. Sometimes I get books from um, listeners that, you know, really do intrigue me. I read them all the way through, cover to cover. Sure. But it's, it's not just the, uh, the matter of getting the book to me. It's the matter of getting me to read it, too. So
0: anyway, I feel I just, bad about it. Yeah. I'll just have to i t- I'll just have to tell him, you know, look, I mean if it's it's covering old territory, it wasn't really that exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I can see its value, I can. Just not for me. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh so the movie again, uh, for those of you that are interested, was called nine eleven press for truth. Eh. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one two. The amplifier line. It is uh it's Matt in Ill- rather, yes, in, in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live.
7: Good evening, guys. How are you doing today? Great. What's on your mind? Uh couple of definitions for you definition of libertarian according to the american heritage dictionary one who advocates maximizing individual rights and minimizing the role of the state and two one who believes in free will so i believe both you and mark are libertarians
1: right that would fit that would fit the minarchist definition whereas um you know It it really depends on who you ask, though. The American Heritage Dictionary says that I'm a libertarian. Ian doesn't. Mm, Yeah.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the uh, definition of anarchism, the theory or doctrine that all forms of governments are oppressive and undesirable and should be abolished. Uh, Active resistance and terrorism against the state as used by some anarchists. And rejection of all forms of coercive control and authority.
1: Sounds like there's a word for you, Ian.
7: Yeah. So well, Ian is definitely an anarchist.
0: Well, okay, maybe so. I still don't like the term. I still don't appreciate it. Um, I don't. I don't like what it stands for in uh, popular culture's mind, and I reject it on that basis. But and, nonetheless, Matt, any other thoughts for us?
7: Yeah, I think that part of the problem is the whole uh, thing about terrorists uh, using it, and I would think that they would, if if you were a terrorist, saying that I'm an anarchist, you would say that the government initiated the force. I am just reacting to it.
0: Yeah, uh, I understand that, but uh, certainly not a position I'm going to take. Nonetheless, go ahead, sir.
7: Okay, yeah, on Saturday you were talking about steroids, and I um, I have allergies. And uh, a few years ago they got so bad that they put me on steroids. And I took them, and they cleared up my allergies real real. Um, real good, and I didn't have any kind of anger or anything
1: like that. Well, that's not uh, an anabolic steroid. <laughs> um, you know, there's anabolic steroids which cause you get big and muscular, and the, what you were taking were uh, oh I don't I know. know, yeah,
7: there some, some other type. Of Isn't hemorrhoid,
1: doesn't hemorrhoid cream have steroids in sure, it? Sure, there's there's there are steroids that shrink tissue, there are steroids right. that grow tissue. Um, specifically, when we were saying steroids, uh, we should have said anabolic steroids every right. single time. And we likely did.
0: Matt, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And we may be having a WWE superstar come on the air with us to discuss this very issue. The whole anabolic steroid, Chris Benoit situation. Mm -hmm. We're working on it. Got nothing in stone yet. Anyway, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll. Free line for you. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airways. toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away. So check them out. And some of those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo. We've... Put them on our website, and they're proving they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. First thing, uh, get this story ready. I know you have it, Mark. SWAT team training for kids. I want to get to that. But first, we'll talk about what one SWAT team did. Or at least some police officers. Maybe they were on SWAT, maybe not. Either way, they all think they're in the military, and they all think they're, you know, they've got that military mindset. They love getting dressed up in black and kicking in people's doors and shooting dogs and shooting people. This from McCall.com. Allentown officers. A federal lawsuit accuses two Allentown police officers of outlandish and outrageous conduct in what it calls the unprovoked shooting of a man who tried to kill himself with a box cutter. James H. Stewart, who's 24, died from two gunshots to his back after the officers tried to arrest him for failing to return to Northampton County Prison after a work-release assignment. He'd been jailed for failing to make child support payments. The suit filed by uh, one of the lawyers on the 19th, exactly two years after Stewart's death, alleges Officer Jeremy Mull shot Stewart twice and that Mull's partner, Wesley Wilcox, yelled at him, What the F are you doing? Filed on behalf of Stewart's estate and his sister, Tanya Stewart, the suit accuses both officers of brutality and using excessive force. Besides Moll and Wilcox, it names former Chief, Bla- uh, Chief Joseph Blackburn as the city and the city as defendants and seeks at least $300,000 in punitive and compensatory damages, which, by the way, if they are awarded, will not come out of the pockets of Chief Joseph Blackburn or officers uh, Moll or Wilcox. No,
1: it'll come out of the taxpayer
0: coffers. Yep. Allentown spokes-bureaucrat Joe McDermott uh, said the city would issue no statement on the suit. It's litigation, so we can't comment on it. Our solicitors and lawyers will look it over and proceed accordingly. Carolee, uh, who's the lawyer of South Whitehall Ta- uh, Township, who has won multi-million dollar settlements against different towns and police brutality cases, couldn't be reached. Stewart, the man that was shot and killed, a handyman and father of three, had fallen behind on child support payments. And in February of 2005 was sent to Northampton County Prison, where he was placed in a work release program. Because people that are uh, falling behind on their child support payments, it sure as hell helps them to put them in jail or something. How does
1: that help exactly? When I don't I don't really understand why that would be. Now they have to pay to be in jail like right. um if they're in the work release program and they have to pay their child support. Right. I suppose it motivates them from the uh, point of view that they're going to get out there and work and they're less likely to uh, lie about and uh, drink alcohol or something like that. I, I I I don't know. I I can see to some extent doing it. Doesn't sound by the way, he doesn't sound like a violent guy.
0: Um James Stewart, father of 3 panchild child support. That's why he was put back in jail, because he failed to return to the prison after he went out on a work release program and a warrant was issued for his arrest. So he absconded. Right. Early on March 19th of 2005, police received an anonymous tip that Stewart was at his sister's home in Allentown, according to the lawsuit filed in district court. Officers and Wilcox arrived minutes later and pushed their way into the home where they found Stewart sitting harmlessly on his bed the officers ordered him to stand asked his name and checked his identifying tattoos when they told Stewart to turn around he took a box cutter from his belt and tried to stab himself now some of these uh, terms are in quotes presumably they're coming from the uh, the police report one of the officers wrestled the box cutter away and threw it to the floor. As Stewart stood with his back to the officers and his arms to his sides, Officer Mall shot him. Stewart fell to his knees, and Mall shot him again in the back. Stewart
1: dropped to the floor where he lied dying in a pool of blood. So the guy pulled out a box cutter, cut himself. The cops took the box cutter away from him and then shot him twice. Uh, let's see. They told him, uh, yes, that's right. They did do that. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. I,
0: I I'm stupefied. Well, apparently the other officer was stupefied as well because he was standing right there. Wilcox then yelled at Mull, asking what he was doing. You know, what the f are you doing? Mull replied, "I don't know. I don't know." Tanya Stewart, who stood behind the officers, so his sister was there watching this all happen. So, did the one officer take the other officer into custody at that point for murder? Um, let's see. Will and Mul- no, they uh, they handcuffed the girl though. Apparently, she <laughs> said uh, she she screamed, "You killed my brother." Will and That's Moulton. what they did. That's what he did. Wilcox and Maul then forced Tanya Stewart to the floor beside her dead brother, where she was handcuffed. The officers also handcuffed the dead. Oh wait, he wasn't dead at that point. He was moaning and bleeding profusely, from two gunshots in the
1: back. So this is interesting. The cops uh, pushed their way into the house. Um, the, they attempt to uh, handcuff the guy. The guy stabs himself with the box cutter. The police officer shoots him. Oh, uh, well, excuse me. They, they take the box cutter away from him. The police officer shoots him two times. Right. Uh, fatally, and then when asked what the F he was doing, he said he didn't know. Right. He didn't know what he was doing. Then uh, the, the woman screams, you killed my brother, which apparently they did. Yes. Um, and so they wrestled her to the ground, handcuffed her, handcuffed the guy who was uh, fatally wounded, and then what?
0: Then they took him to the hospital. Uh, uh, Wilcox then turned to Maul, according to the suit, and said, My God, what did you do? That was one cop to the other cop. He
1: should have, Wilcox should have taken Maul and put him in the back of the cruiser.
0: At the time of the incident, police said this, uh, then they took him to the hospital. He died 30 minutes later. Police said the city's communications center received a call. Yeah, this,
1: this guy isn't a murderer. He's not a bank robber. He's, uh, late on unquote, child
0: support. Yeah, uh, he's late on child support. Yeah. And now he's never going to make another child support payment. Ever. <laughs> The caller, uh, by the way, the Police City Communication Center received a call at 239 from the home. The caller told the police a wanted man was there and that he might have a gun. As two officers tried to arrest Stewart, according to the police account, he held up a box cutter and the struggle began. I don't know why it's recapping the story at the very end. So anyway, besides excessive force and brutality by the officers, the lawsuit alleges wrongful death, unlawful seizure, false imprisonment, denial of medical care, civil conspiracy, and assault and battery. So what do you think the chances are that the officers are on administrative leave? Uh, yeah, I imagine they've got paid vacation. Coming. That's what happens when these things when these things go down. At and, least the one is right, and cops uh, shoot innocent people, then they typically get paid vacations. They call it administrative leave as they're investigating. So I just you know wanted to share that with you, just to you know give you an example of some of the attitude of these police
1: officers. Uh, I want to live in an America where the cops are treated like the citizens. I want to live in an America where we're all equal. You know, that that this, the police don't exist above the law, that they can't just get away with shooting somebody and then, I, I, I don't know, uh, taking his uh, sister to jail? Yeah. <laughs> it's story after story of police malfeasance, police
0: just outrageousness. How many do we have to read on air for people to wake up? I don't know. But we'll keep reading them because they keep coming across our desks. Now, let's go to a training seminar for
1: kids. Well, how old are these young people that were involved in this? High school, middle school, elementary? They certainly don't look like high school students. They look like elementary to me. Maybe sixth grade or something like that. And what's going on here, Mark? And where? Kids in Francis Willard Elementary School's library Thursday morning were waiting for their teacher. She arrived about nine ten a.m. dressed all in black, including a black face mask.
0: <laughs> what's the source of this story?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it is QC Online. Okay. from uh, And it's from Rock Island... Uh, Illinois. I thought Rock Island was in. Um, I believe Rhode Rock Island. Island is Illinois. Fine. Um, There's uh, Block Island is in Rhode Island. Gotcha. Sorry, I'm late. Said Rock Island police officer. A. Tanya Robinson told the uh, junior police academy class, "I've already been working two raids. I'm whoa, sweating whoa, whoa, a lot slow in this hot is. We're gonna
0: learn more about this here in a moment. But this is a a, a class at a school."
1: Apparently, it's the Junior Police Academy. So, like
0: ROTC, they now have a little class for kids to become cops. Right, at the Rock Island Police. Amazing. We'll explore more. Coming up, you take control. It's Free Talk Talk. Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL, C-A-I toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there, we give them away, including the wiki. Over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. Right there, wiki.freetalklive.com will get you to it.
1: That's W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit RLC.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's RLC.org. 800-259-9231. All
0: right, so continuing the story here, Mark, uh, we we just barely got started. It's from Rock Island, Quad Cities area, Illinois, and... There's apparently some elementary school kids or maybe sixth graders, very very young government school children.
1: They're in elementary school. So that, that's sixth, It is an elementary likely school. Likely to be sixth grade. Okay. I, apparently um, in in one of the students is 8. And this is
0: news to me, by the way. I I have never once heard of anything like this. Uh, the very first paragraph of the story. What is this organization called? This class? The class is the um uh, let's see. The teacher's a police officer, first off, and it's not dare class. That's the only time when I was in government school that I ever had a teacher that was a police officer. Junior police academy class. Junior police academy class. Now it sounds this is a lot at Willard like Willard
1: Elementary School in the in Rock Island.
0: That's kind of that really kind of scares me, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. But y- you've heard of ROTC before, right? R O T C. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it stands for, but it's that high school class where you go and you like shoot. Junior, uh, it's junior uh, officer training. I think
1: it's J ROTC probably.
0: What? Whatever. Anyway, you, yeah, I think you're right about that, because Rossi's a college thing. I believe so. Anyway, th- it's all the kids. They get in their camo, and they go and do push-ups and run around and shoot stuff, and they get ready to go in the military. That's the point yeah, behind Rossi. Reserve
1: officer training candidate. Whatever.
0: You know. uh, anyway, so this is this is really just even more kind of terrifying, as opposed to indoctrinating kids into this sort of future as a bureaucrat, right? Be a bureaucrat when you grow up. We're going to start you on the path now at age
1: eight. Mm. What's going on, Mark? it says the students were wide-eyed and curious. They wanted to know more about her job as your as the teacher just re- entered the class, dressed in total black in right. a uh, SWAT team uniform. SWAT I team see. uniform, right? Um, more about her job with the tactical unit and her uniform. It's the first year for the academy, designed to tre- to teach preteens about the different aspects of police work. The academy just wrapped up the last four three-day sessions. The last of four three-day sessions. Rock Island Police Chief John Wright was inspired by Springfield's Junior Police Academy program and wanted to try one here. Officer Robinson said, Ten to thirteen students committed to each um, committed to each session. There's no cost to students since uh, Dare was f- being uh, was funding um, the, the the whole operation. Classes hmm. were held at Francis Willard, Thomas Jefferson, um, Autobahn Elementary Schools, and the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Center.
0: School so they're recently- all
1: over the place then." Yep, School Resource Officer Jim Polly and Officer Robinson led the sessions uh, through guest speakers, other officers. Students were exposed to crime scene investigation, detecting speeders, bike patrolling, and emergency response. Learning took place both inside and outside the classroom. After spending part of the two-hour sessions in the classroom, students headed out to participate in demonstrations. I thought we were just going to be talking about the stuff they do every day, said 11-year-old Ashley Ayala, um, adding that the hands-on aspect of the program made it more exciting. Thursday, students <laughs> learned about SWAT teams and then participated in mock building entry, complete with a battering ram. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. You can see two uh, two kids here, uh, 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 an officer and a kid, battering at a door. I'm not sure that they're actually battering the door. They they, they appear to be very close to battering the door. I don't know if it's simulated huh. battering or actual battering. Wow. I would hope that they're not damaging any property and uh, teaching uh, 11-year-olds how to be SWAT members. But... <laughs> And um, let's see. Earlier in the week, they tested radar guns along the street. Gosh. Officers said that they were careful not not just to explain what police do, but why they do it. Some children believe police are just out to hassle people, Officer Robinson said. they right. The program <laughs> changed their perception. Pretty much. Ashley moore 11 said the program helped her to understand why they give people tickets and stuff. Yeah, I wonder what their explanation for that was. Oh, because it uh, d- deters people from speeding, so therefore um, the roads are safer. Hmm. Officer also hoped the program would spark interest in um, some participants in becoming police officers themselves. Gee, you think? It did for 10-year-old. I'm not even going to try this name. I'm sorry. Um, Somebody. See him, Henry. I'd like to be a police officer because it helps people, and it's the best thing to do. I love... Particularly, they've got uh, uh, a little photo here of she's uh, screaming at two eight year olds. One apparently is pretending to be a police officer, one's pretending to be a crook because they've got his hand behind his back and taking him to the squad car. It says Rock Island police officer and emergency response team member Di Robinson uh, yells to take the prisoner to Sean Henry, eight, caught in a simulated raid on Francis Willard Elementary School, to the police car during the morning session of Junior Police Academy at the school on Thursday. I'm so disgusted <laughs> I by know. this. <laughs> it's crazy. Is there more? Uh, no, I, the the, the, the
0: torture over. I am just stunned, shocked, disgusted. I I guess I should I I guess I should have expected this. Um, I mean. <laughs> Hitler Youth, anyone? I mean, how close, how far away is this from, you know, some of those types of programs, right? Uh, There's only one perspective being presented here, and that is that uh, the government police are a good thing, and all they do is help people, and blah, 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 propaganda being shoved down your kids' throats. There could be a program like this at your government school. It sounds like it's all over the Quad Cities area, or at least in the Rock Island area of Illinois. Who knows how far, uh, far and wide, uh, wide-reaching wide this program is because they said that it's being paid for by D.A.R.E. funds, which D.A.R.E. is a nationwide program, right. and if this is yet another offshoot of the D.A.R.E. program, it seems inevitable to me that a bunch of uh, schools around the country have this. What was the program called again? Police, Young Police Academy or whatever? The,
1: the Junior Police Academy class.
0: The Junior Police Academy class. I want, to, I want to pull up maybe a Google search on that, and let's see if we can really determine how widespread this is. But in... And if you want to comment on this, I uh, would love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Did they have anything like this while you were in government school? Any sort of really direct um, sort of pathway? Basically, this is a um, the very beginning step on a pathway towards becoming a government bureaucrat. In this case, a government police officer. And at the very least, it's certainly um, indoctrination. It's a one-sided Despicable indoctrination uh telling kids uh, that you know giving the pol- giving kids this sort of government perspective on police of course a balanced school would also present maybe some uh, i don't know anti authoritarians to uh, talk to the kids of
1: course you can't expe- expect that from a government school it sounds unlikely um i i I think that uh <sighs> I don't know what I would expect from my school. I would expect a school not to teach this crap. Well, I remember when I was in... I, I would was, not. I do not want my tax dollars going to pay for this I think uh, it was in
0: 6th or 7th grade. So, maybe around the same age. Maybe a little older. They did have Law Day at my school. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember this very explicitly because the SWAT team came out. And, of course, I as a young boy filled with uh, testosterone and adrenaline or whatever it is that young boys are filled with was... You know, awfully attracted by the SWAT team. They had a variety Snip, of different... Snips,
1: puppy dog tails?
0: Well, they had a variety of different uh, sort of bureaucrats from the law enforcement field out there on this particular day. But the, by far the most popular of the areas was the SWAT team. Why? Well, because they had their guns out. It's interesting. And you got to go, and I got to hold an MP5... At the age of twelve, of course, completely unloaded. But you know, the point is, hey, this big hardware, and they look these cops and parts ooh, of it move, ooh, and, and there's cool. a helicopter that landed across the street and mm-hmm. everything. And really, they were really just using taxpayer dollars to, sh- you know, and then showing off all their toys to the kids. But this sounds like it really takes it a lot further with multiple classes. Uh, lots of indoctrination
1: at a much younger age. JuniorPoliceAcademy.org says that, the uh, uh, when you click on National Office, says that uh, since 1992, the Junior Police Academy, a non-profit organization, has been bringing the world of law enforcement into the nation's classroom, mm-hmm. coordinated and directing the efforts of police departments and educators in this relatively new field of study. And does it say what grade levels it affects? Does it only affect young people?
0: Do they have a high school level class? Because i don 't remember what it 's called, but once you get into high school, you can become the little trainee i don 't remember what it 's called though I wish I could I, I ride along kid yeah i don't there 's some sort cadets? of trainee cadet that 's what it is. so I, I presume the cadets are sort of the next step up from this class. Very disturbing. What are your experiences with this if any at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one are any of your kids uh, in these classes today? This is free Talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free, at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are free on our website, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show then consider voluntarily supporting us by shopping at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com. we got lots of neat products, a variety of Free Talk Live branded merchandise, including our hot-selling Free Talk Live 2-gigabyte multi-gadget. It's a 2-gigabyte MP3 player. It is also a flash drive. It's also a voice recorder and more, all rolled into one, uh, all there at store.freetalklive.com. We even have non-Free Talk Live branded merchandise, just cool stuff with uh, cool designs on it that we've made up, uh, like the, uh, or our designer, actually, Johnson and store manager, made up, which is apparently the Free Marketeer t-shirts, Mark. We've already sold out. Of the, I guess, the large and the extra large sizes on that. We did not order as many as uh, as apparently we needed to, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a good problem to have, right? Right. Anyway, so store.freetalklive.com. All right, so uh, I want to get to an email here. Actually, I'm going to go to the phones first, but then get an email from a uh, military veteran, a disabled military veteran, Dealing with his thoughts on the whole, well, what happens to us when we get rid of the, the government thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to, first, though, Chris in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Chris? Hi. Hey, what's on your mind?
8: Um, I was wanting to, uh, for, just, well, I was calling in to advocate violence.
0: Why?
2: But,
8: um, well, I, I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, first, I just want to say that um, when I was in um, government schools, um, I think it was like fifth grade or fourth grade, they had this uh, little play that was these bears like these this guy this girl and this older girl like they dressed up in bear suits and it was like a molest, it was like a molestation play M-
1: yeah. molesting bears what? yeah
8: okay yeah. okay and uh they had us all gather up in the gym and uh like they uh the the uncle bear like molested the nephew bear
1: right exactly and, uh, did did you see this happen
8: yeah yeah the guy actually touched her like crotch
1: right it's okay and, to do oh, it with bear suit on the nephew see. had a um, the nephew was a her
8: yeah yeah okay and i I don't I Nephews was can't like, be hers. there's a
1: lot of problems in this little bear family from the get go <laughs> yeah
8: well i i just uh I just remember that was the one thing that I remember, and i I remember it's strange because it actually turned me on when I was a little kid
0: whoa yeah yeah, what did you do about that?
8: <laughs> what did I do yeah well, nothing really I mean That's I just good. remembered it that would have been
0: <laughs> naughty and inappropriate. Any other but, thoughts yeah. for us?
8: Yeah, well, they did this in a gym, like, in front of a whole bunch of kids. Let's get to
0: the violence thing, Chris.
8: Okay, the violence. Um, When you, uh, uh, I guess I should uh, refer to killing somebody instead of just beating somebody up. I mean, it's both violence.
2: Yes, correct.
8: um, When you kill somebody, you solve their, you really do solve their problems. (laughs) Because you take everything, every problem that they have just completely away.
1: Yeah, Uh uh-huh, don't solve my problems, please.
8: Oh I, yeah, I know. But um, another thing is, like, even defensive violence
1: uh-huh.
2: is
8: still violence. And like, yeah. like, like Ian for example. I mean, someone who breaks in your house, you know, you're going to get your AK out and you're going to shoot them, right?
0: Um, depends.
8: Well, yeah. I mean, if, if they break in your house and like try to try to try you know, to kill, kill me or my you
0: girlfriend, know? sure. Yeah, sure.
8: yeah. So I mean, that's violence too, and. Um, I don't know, I just uh, just listening to the show and everything. Uh I listen during the day like on the podcast, but right. uh I, I don't know, I just I I hear the whole violence thing come up every once in a while and like I don't know, the, the hippies at Kent State didn't believe in violence and they're dead and so did the people like Tiananmen Square and they're dead too.
0: I, I see where you're that. coming from, and I, I feel you. Thank you for the call, Chris. Appreciate it. I, I, I can understand
1: the frustration. Well, but those people is... died for non-violence. I mean, isn't it sort of, um, you know, spitting in their graves by advocating violence um, when, you know, using them as an example of an advocation of violence? I, I just, I'm not
0: agreeing with what no, he no. said. I don't... I'm just understanding how he feels. Um Yeah, I mean, I understand. It's frustrating. Government's outrageous. Government's out of control. And some people want to take it to the streets. I just don't think that that's an appropriate response quite yet. I don't think uh, we're there. I don't think we're to that point. I hope we never get to that point. I hope we can turn it around before things get really bad in this country. um, Because inevitably, I think it will go there. I know Johnson thinks that it's going to happen no matter what. Um, some people think that's the direction this country is going in and that it's inevitable I I personally am a bit more positive about it. I I think it is something we can salvage. I think we can turn it around even if we will have to secede in order to to make it, um, to stop it Um, whatever we can do to avoid the violence I think should be avoided and of course then again there are his silly comments about it being uh, taking away people's problems that's not true and that's just absurd Um, being violent towards another person and killing another person especially only creates more problems. There were people that relied on that person, uh, maybe f- to put food on a table or pay some bills and that sort of thing, and uh, friends and family members and uh, business partners and customers that all rely on seeing and dealing with those with those people on a daily basis and would miss them terribly. Right. It's it's never appropriate to call for uh, for someone's death um, who who hasn't initiated force in the first place. So to that end, I understand his concern with the government violence. But uh, his call was absurd. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. in your right mark. I should have ended that one sooner. Let's go to the email box, though. And uh, an email from Jim. He says, You guys recently brought up a subject that's been very crucial to me. You, Ian, are relentless in your vision, and you do not waver. You argue from the pure and the ideal at all times. And I'm very happy that I know this about you, because, like you often say, the necessity of liberty sounds very foreign to so many who have been brainwashed by our cruel system. You've inspired me with your ability to tackle any debater issue with the strength provided by a very solid foundation of principle. You do tend to have sort of a playbook with those who call in angry because you shatter their beliefs and they're frightened. And while it irritates me to hear some of the same old arguments, they are effective and they make an impression that will probably be the seed of change for those poor souls.
1: And you know, the sort of um, the the seat of radio is repetition, and you've got to remember you can't. Teach people things unless you repeat it over and over and over again. That's what they do in school. That's what they do with brainwashing. True. That's how you teach people things. You repeat it over and over and over Number again. Number one rule of
0: propaganda. He says, I apologize for always showering you with so much flattery when I write you, but I consider you a friend, and you have value that merits these compliments. I don't want anything from you, so you don't have to fear that. I'm simply grateful the spiritual, emotional, and physical drain that accompanies what you do in the face of what is frankly an impossible struggle against tyranny and evil. I That's, fear Don't worry about
1: it. Ian doesn't ha- actually have a soul, so it doesn't really drain <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fear that if I don't speak up and let you know how much heartfelt gratitude that I have for the work you do, that you might get disillusioned and disappear. You report so many awful, evil, corrupt things that you really need to at least hear my humble appreciation for the way you've truly excelled in what you do. You've managed to be quite unique in the way you've crafted and produced Free Talk Live. What about me? What about the in the yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. He says, I've been listening for more than a year now.
1: Apparently he doesn't understand this show at all. If he, if he really, if he thinks that you need flattery to keep going, he's mistaken. Mm, I've been (laughs)
0: conflicted since the beginning about my. If he thinks I don't, then he's also mistaken. About my particular situation. My income is not enormous, but I'm more than comfortable. I don't have to work and I spend my time following my pursuit or, or any pursuit that tickles my fancy so long as I don't feel ill from the loss of my kidneys. My lifespan will be short. Politically, I am libertarian in all but one very inescapable way. See, my entire income comes from the United States government. Mm-hmm. Social Security and the VA, Veterans Administration, give me around a thousand dollars a week. I'm considered 100% it's disabled. A lot, and that is mostly true. The nausea and vomiting is unpredictable, which makes me mm. unreliable in the free market. I contracted Sounds my. Like t- it. I contracted my disease in Panama, and it renders my kidneys non-transplantable. I know I've told you all this before, so forgive me the tedious recount. I've listened long enough to know better than to justify or make excuses about how I deserve the money I get from the taxpayers. And therein lies my conflict. I've discovered principles too late, and now I either force others to give me money, or I live on the street until I die. I don't just get money. I, also get vast qu- I don't just get money, I also get vast quantities of dialysis supplies, prescription drugs, health care, dental, optical life insurance, all taken by force. I waited a long time to hear your take on the subject, knowing what you'd say, knowing what the right view was, and finding no way to disagree with you. My dilemma is that I enslave others or die. There is an out. There is a just ending for me in light of all this. I know that it is not if, but when our fiat currency will collapse and become worthless. What is relatively comfortable today will become destitution and poverty very soon, as hyperinflation collapses our economy. The Nazis euthanize the infirm of mind and body, but our politicians won't be so direct. They'll just cut the funding for my dialysis as they make their futile attempts to stop the inevitable collapse. Well, I don't think they'll necessarily... Well, they might cut the funding for the dialysis, but the, the paychecks that he'll be getting will be completely worthless. At that point, if the hyperinflation occurs, they'll keep you at the thousand dollars a month le- or the thousand dollars a week level, but it'll it will not be you know won't buy you pizza, right? It'll buy you a Twinkie. Uh, try and tell me I have nothing to worry about with a straight face. The trick is to hopefully s- succumb to my illness before that happens, so timing will be everything. I'm impressed with the free state project and I wish to participate. I can't do that because I couldn't live feeling like an impostor in the free state. The goal is to cast off the yoke of the Feds, and I always have to carry the guilt for taking the 30 pieces of silver. I think that there's a, a, a middle road here that
1: I'd like to discuss.
0: We'll so do that. We come back. Recap it in hour number three. Take your thoughts as well at 800-259-9231. And you can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind as well. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Hour three is on the way. You take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com.
5: This is Free
0: Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program. Uh, And don't forget to join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And we finally get to welcome our newest affiliate uh, Mm -hmm. in California, of all places. Uh, Some of you kind of knew this was coming. Some of you listening to KSCO AM 1080 might have had the uh, feeling something might have been changing there soon. And here we are, Free Talk Live. You might have heard us on the noon show. For those of you that don't know, in our regular listening audience, we were asked by Michael Swirling, the head of KSCO out in Santa Cruz, uh, San Jose, and, San, and uh, San Francisco, to do a little um, KSCO, California-only edition of Free Talk Live, sort of like on, t- on a test basis. So we did that and got great response, and as a result, they decided they wanted to add the show. So here we are now, uh, welcoming our listeners in, uh, I guess that's like, what, southern or... No, not really. Southern, central Bay Area,
1: Bay Area, California. Yep. Anyway, the signal is tremendous. I have family there, uh, so I mean, this is this is the first time that uh, my uncles are liable liable to ever have heard the show. That's excellent, and the
0: signal's tremendous too. I mean, yes. it's ten thousand watts right out there on the water in Santa Cruz, covers all over San right. Francisco. It's sitting in
1: salt water, so it right. really acts like a fifty thousand watts.
0: Anyway, welcome to all our new listeners there. If you haven't heard the show before, you're in for something uh, well quite a bit different from typical cookie cutter. Uh, conservative talk radio or How even liberal talk radio right we're not leftist liberals we're not righty conservatives mm-hmm. uh we're something a bit different
1: we believe in uh smaller government personal responsibility well not to say, now that's now you sound like a conservative mark I, I guess um, would liberals be against personal responsibility? I don't know.
0: I don't, I don't know. Anyway, we we believe in liberty every issue, every time. Mm-hmm. But there are differences between Mark and myself, as you'll discover over time. Actually, some significant differences that will result in the occasional heated argument. Uh, anyway, we need to continue with what we were talking about. We're gonna, and you'll also find that a free talk live constantly breaks all the rules of talk radio, and we're going to break one right here off the bat here in uh, in this hour of the program by continuing an email that we started last hour. I know it's an awful thing. To to do by the rules, but it works because we can recap it anyway the email came in from Jim and he 's pointing out that he's a uh, he 's a veteran and he gets a thousand dollars a week from the u s government he has uh, it, both his kidneys are bad he caught something when he was in Panama and he 's got to get dialysis etc etc he 's in a bad
1: way right right and, and he feels bad about it because he understands that he 's getting his money through for, you know, the, the money that they're paying him through force and coercion, tax and he, dollars. And he doesn't like that. He, uh, you know, as a liberty-oriented person, he'd rather it be done on
0: a voluntary basis. However, you know, he was in the military, and they did say they would take care of him, and so he is getting those payments. And so he's kind of writing in to, uh, to address something that we said a while back on the show, and, or mm. that I said, rather, and that was that inevitably, if we can make the government go away, the federal government go away, then... All of those people receiving the benefits, you know, they're not going to get them anymore. Now, they might get some sort of a one-time payment or something like that in order to make them – give them something. Not necessarily. But I don't think there would be any guarantee if you got rid of the federal government. How would all of these VA people be taken care of? That's the question. Do you want me to address that?
1: If you want to, you can. I'll continue the email in a moment. Well, um, I don't think that there's an either-or situation here. I believe that – you know you know liberty and is is a great thing and I want to go, go towards that but we do have issues with what we have done as a country up to this point and that is um we've you know people have been injured in the line of duty and i think that uh, we have a responsibility that con- the the, the well, government has we, a responsibility yeah, okay. to take care of them and in the dismantling of that government in making it smaller we have a responsibility to take care of those people that were injured in the line of duty i agree so, i think the veterans should be
0: uh, the highest up on the list as far as all of the bureaucrats getting some some form of final payout from the federal government and again especially injured veterans right now we're talking about total fantasy land we are in the midst of this total fantasy concept of of abolishing the federal government i'm not going to
1: abolish the federal i i would shrink it down if i could press a
0: a button tomorrow and abolish the federal government i would press that button with no hesitation whatsoever i know you would and so we're talking about the consequences of that you know we're talking about well how would we be able to realistically even do something like this and i think you absolutely have to take care of the veterans but let's go back to jim's email because he says i'm not fishing for you to say it's okay to go against your principles if i'm going to go out of this world with any sort of principles and i have to stick to this decision and not mingle amongst the free staters living a lie i'm just too selfish and cowardly to give up my income it's an overwhelming survival instinct and i can't reconcile forcing others to provide my comfort it'd be easy to agree with mark and say that i was young i didn't know better and we could grandfather the current veterans while we dismantle the system in the future and I, I think it is okay for you. I'm not saying you're going against your principles. You entered into an agreement with these people when you joined the military, and part of the agreement was that you'd be taken care of. And I don't necessarily see, I don't necessarily see a problem with collecting those benefits. That was part of your deal right. with them. It's just that when they go away, inevitably, we're hoping that you'll get some sort of payout. He says, you argued on May 10th's show that the ideal, is, the ideal is to dismantle it all, and tough S for those of us who struck a bargain with a gang of thugs. I really want to come up to New Hampshire and stand with the rest of the heroes, and I won't claim this is some sort of penance. I'll enjoy my blood money until it's worthless and start paying for my mistake then. I won't deny that I hope that day never comes. There is another way the universe could laugh at me. Someone could find a gene therapy for a cure, and then I'd have to go back to work for a living. This is the one way that I work for redemption. When I feel well, and that is often enough, I spend my free time educating myself and seeking new skills in case I'm cured. That way, I've had the time to figure out how to make a living doing things I have an honest passion for. If I become f- uh, physically reliable enough for the free market again, I'll be ready, happy, and capable of finding true joy in making my own money. And I've got to say, kudos to him for that. Instead of wallowing in his own self-pity mm-hmm. or you know, drinking himself... Uh, every Drinking himself drunk every single day On some of the money that he gets paid And oh, the poor veteran He's out there battering himself Even though he doesn't have working kidneys Whenever he feels good, he's out there improving himself And I think that's a great thing um, to do He says, I'm glad the subject of disabled be- uh, veterans And their government benefits came up at last You answered honestly based on your convictions in spite of how harsh it sounded, and I respect the hell out of you for doing that. I think you're a heartless jerk, but I know I could count on you when the times got tough. You'd go to the gallows telling all, give me liberty or give me death. Now
1: he's referring to you
0: specifically. Yes, and we really need a whole lot more like you if we're ever going to see liberty in this country again. I'm due to view. I'm doomed rather to view the world like Mark. But you are delivering the message of the ideal that we all need to strive for. I'll keep listening and taking comfort that we can count on you. You make me very proud, Ian. I've studied history and the saga of our founding fathers my whole life, and I count myself lucky to find someone like you to give me firsthand an encounter with those brilliant revolutionaries. I'll make this offer to you, and it will cost you nothing. Knowledge is being. And that is comfort to me. When I leave this world, I'll enter a new realm. When your time comes, I'll imagine a world with Jefferson, Adams, Madison, Franklin, etc. to inhabit it, so you can meet them yourself. Time won't exist, so we can do that sort of thing. Oh, feel free to shaw the notion, I'm cool with your beliefs, which is uh, lack of. Uh, but since beliefs can change, and since I might be correct, just give me a wink and enjoy yourself in the world I created by simply imagining it for us. I think, therefore we are. If I'm wrong, we won't know any different anyway your friend James
1: pretty nice i am um, i you know when the federal government if if we did dismantle it as you hoped and and in my case downsize it um from this behemoth that it is um it it has all kinds of assets those assets are um, land there's a, a whole huge amount, amount land. of land a huge amount of land out west and in, in the majority of alaska buildings, buildings military supplies all kinds of uh, military supplies uh, you know just uh, fleets of cars all kinds of things When those things are sold off, that money has to go somewhere and I think that money should go to the people that the government has created a, a debt As with promise yeah um, to you know and and I would say that the top of that list the very first people that should be getting um, payments from that are the the veterans I totally agree. Now, hold on wait wait and and um those payments don't necessarily those those veterans you know their the expectation is he'll get a thousand dollars a week we don't have to give him one lump sum you can put it in some kind of annuity so he continues to get his Some sort of private trust right a trust right so there's no reason I don't see any reason why um, injured veterans shouldn't get, will not get, uh, their, their benefits. Oh, I agree with you. And, and if I came off as sounding callous in that
0: way, I, I didn't intend to. I think what I was trying to say originally when we talked about it was that you can't count on the government for anything like that. Like, I hope that's what happens. If I were in charge, and I won't be, but if you were in charge, Mark, that's what would happen. The veterans would be treated uh, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. They would be paid off first and foremost. But you can't guarantee it, right? It's the government. You can't count on them for anything. You can't trust them as far as you can throw them. So, and, and, that's a, and he realizes that when he says, well, if the you know, if inflation happens so bad, he won't be able to buy his dialysis equipment anymore or have the, the process done to him. More on the way, you can take control. 800-259-9231. We'll talk about flag desecration coming up. This it's Free Talk Live. It's your show and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800 259 9231 The SACL CAI toll free line for you, Ian here with yep. you, and Mark. That's one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 Join us online. Freetalklive.com, the place to go. If you've missed a moment of the show, and if you're uh, listening in our brand newest affiliate, KSCO AM 1080, you've missed a lot of moments. We've got an entire year's worth of the archive of archives right there on the front page of the website. Now go ahead and compare that to uh, some of those other radio talk show hosts out there. You know, Rush Limbaugh, those guys. They want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month to access archives and that sort of
1: thing. We give it all away. Freetalklive.com. Pop quiz: What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? The answer: Very little. The Prometheus Institute at readpi.com is looking to make a real impact in Washington. Not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all the other flat-water political think tanks, visit readpi.com. That's readpi.com.
0: You know, if I were the Prometheus Institute, I would demand my money back, or I'd I'd demand a make-good for every time you didn't enunciate institute correctly.
1: You're awful at that.
0: Institute? Institute. 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 (laughs) Ah, Whatever. 800- That's what you get from that
1: uh, expensive broadcast cl- schools of yours.
0: 1-800-259-9231. All right, to the phones, to the fun. You bring up anything? Don, in Kansas City, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Don. Hey, guys. What's on your mind?
9: Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, you, you've kind of touched on it before, but the general kind of feeling of defeatism when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, liberty issues, kind of trying to them to other people and just kind of getting shot down. Yeah, the
0: American people have thrown in the towel. They don't believe liberty is possible anymore, and they've given up.
9: Well, see, I don't know if that's how I feel about it. It's almost like, you know, I try to I try to tell my coworkers and even my wife about, uh, you know, these kind of concepts. They're just I mean, just about getting you know simplifying things back to just being more libertarian, you know, liberty minded. And it's it's not even like they're defeated, or that that they think nothing can change. It's like they want it to be like this.
0: Well, okay, there's different, well, there are different mindsets. There's the defeatist mindset, and those are of the uh, people who at one time did fight for freedom, and now they've thrown in the towel. You'll find the defeatist mindset, but you'll also find the accepting of the status quo mindset, which is what you're talking about. The people that believe they are free. The people that have taken the government line and run with it, and they believe that because when they leave their house in the morning, they can choose to turn left or right, uh, that they are a free people. And so so they're sort of existing completely in the government box, in this government paradigm, and nothing, and they don't want to hear anything that will challenge their belief system. They're sort of like, you know, the movie The Matrix, uh, yeah. and how Morpheus was talking about how most of the people are quite happy in their little dream world, and they're they're not interested in leaving it. The
1: one guy even wanted to return.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's well, I, what you're dealing with, right, Don?
9: Well, it's it's it, I would say almost because you know. These people aren't saying that, um, well, I feel free enough or that I feel free. They actually think that, you know, almost everyone I talk to, especially, you know, including my wife, like I said, um, thinks that these laws, like, for example, the most recent case, I was um, talking about this click-it-or-ticket crap that's going on. Ugh. And, um, you know, from my wife's perspective, she thinks it's, it's a great idea because it'll help save some people's lives, but she doesn't, she doesn't grasp the concept that it should be a suggestion, not enforced with a gun. Right. Or, Did you, know, you tell her fine. that New
0: Hampshire doesn't have a law uh, mandating that and
1: believe it no, or not I, people still wear their wear their seatbelts? Right. I mean the the compliance in New Hampshire is um what a half a, a half a point below what uh, Massachusetts is and Massachusetts is, has mandates it. They give you a $50 or $100 ticket.
9: Right. Well, here here's another example. You know like this stuff that just happened this weekend over in London. Mm-hmm. And, or not London but in in Europe and um I I forgot who it was. I think it was a congressman said that they should uh, have you know cameras on every street corner here also cuz it'd help reduce that kind of thing and uh, i forgot who said it but it was in the news and uh you know i was listen i listened to this radio show on the way home that's far right just to kind of get the other side of things mm-hmm. and um when they had people call in to discuss the issue you know, the and main- the main question was whether or not they would care if there was cam- cameras literally on every street corner in order to keep you safe there wasn't a single person that called in that said that they would have a problem with that as long as they kept them, you know, like, out of their living room. Yeah, but that's the
0: next step. That's the inevitable next step. You've got cameras up on every street corner... How long before they then use the excuse of well we need to keep an eye on at least the felons we got to watch the felons because they they're suspects we need to put cameras in their houses and then you know we got to put cameras
1: in the houses of I mean I don't know what the next group would be pot smokers or something well like you that. know it, and the the cost of these cameras is phenomenal then oh, yeah. somebody has to watch these things and um, you know they they haven't been shown to uh, to, to dramatically reduce crime um, I just. I don't know. I mean, do I want my tax paying dollars to go for these cameras? I'm not sure that they work. What I think I is I know what works to prevent crime, and that's, uh, you know, concealed carry permits. What yeah. I think is interesting, though, is that
0: you're listening to what you described as a far right talk show. Yeah. And I bet you. Ya- that if you rewound the clock back to, when was Waco? 93 or 94, around then, I think. Somewhere around then. If you rewound the clock to right after Waco happened, of course then it was Bill Clinton's administration, and if Mm -hmm. the Bill Clinton administration had come out after that for whatever reason and said, these gangs could be, these uh, wacky religious people could be everywhere, we need to put cameras up all over the streets, how much do you want to bet those right-wing talk show hosts would be screaming from the rooftops about the invasion of privacy? They would be yeah, but, a- absolutely anti-cameras if it were being proposed by the other side.
9: Well, the thing they always throw in your face, though, is it's 9-11. It's a different world. Yeah, right. You know that all the rules are gone. But, you know, it's amazing to me. Well, it's you know, likely I read,
1: we're going to have a Democratic president coming up here next, and I want to know what uh, what the uh, different world is going to be like then.
9: Yeah, well, you know, and what's, what's amazing to me is, you know, I read books, you know, like uh, Orwell stuff. Uh, quite often, and, you know, the V Vend- for Vendetta movie and the comic are both excellent, mm-hmm. and what's amazing is is um, those worlds, you know, they call, you know, dystopic worlds, <laughs> how long until they're just stories about a guy who's insane and then comes to terms with, you know, the loving government? You know, I mean, it's like we're almost there, and people just don't even see it as being dystopic. They just see it as, you know, well, government's looking out for you yeah. you know they're keeping you safe they yeah don't it's even...
0: really shocking and in fact uh julia and i watched a movie that was kind of it was pretty down-tempo and de- depressing film um but of, of course with the subject matter how could it not be anything but it was called sophie scholl the final days are you familiar with who she is no, I'm not. Uh, her and her brother, uh, the Shoals, they printed up the uh, these leaflets during World War II uh, in Nazi Germany. Actually, it might have been before. Uh, yeah, it was actually during the war. And they printed up these anti-Nazi leaflets and distributed them around college campuses and other places in Germany. Inevitably, they were caught uh, one day when they were doing that, and they were sentenced to death. And the story was sort of about her final days in in jail and the tribunals and, and all of that in the process that that she went through. And some of the dialogue, and it was actually a German film, so it was all subtitled. And some of the dialogue uh, of, like, you know, the nationalist sort of fervor that was going on over there. Oh, well, you were, you're demoralizing our troops, and uh, we all must come together as a community to support the troops. And You know, some of the dialogue was so strikingly similar to what we're hearing in America these days, it was, it was really chilling. Uh, It was just amazing. And so I think you're right. I think uh, the American people are, and and America is a lot closer than anybody really even thinks. And I'm not trying to make a direct comparison to Nazi Germany. we're not gassing any Jews. Right, nobody's being gassed in America. But But we have had people call this show who want to put Muslims and Mexicans in internment camps. And they don't even bat an eye at the fact that Japanese Americans were thrown into internment camps in World War II. That's how scary it is right now. And thank you for the call, man. We appreciate it. And if you want to comment on this, 800-259-9231, where you feel like the country's at, how much further down the road are we going to get before dissenters are silenced, before shows like Free Talk Live are thrown off of the air? 1-800-259-9231. You can take control. Bring up anything. have got a flag law coming up. We'll talk about that, too. The show is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system. There are over 1,500 people interacting, almost 250,000 posts for you to surf around through. Fun stuff, serious issues, you'll find it all discussed. And it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. Dot Freetalklive.com and SACL CAI has a full orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call eight hundred five four four six three five nine. That's one eight hundred five four four six three five nine for SACL CAI. As we go to the phones to the Fun. It's Seth in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live, Seth.
10: Hey guys, how you doing?
0: Great. What's Good. on your mind?
10: Well, I was uh, listening to the last caller talk about how frustrating it is to talk to friends and family about libertarianism and how they just don't seem to get it. Yeah. And well, I was just thinking that I could call in and, and recommend a resource that's been invaluable to me. It was actually the book that I read. It's 85 pages long or less, large okay. print. Um It's a book that I read when I was 14, and when I consider myself to have be, become a libertarian. It's called *The Law* by Frederick Bastiat. Yeah, I don't know if either of you guys have heard of that. I have.
0: Oh. I have read
1: *The Law*. It's the big one.
10: It's it's probably the most concise and simple and easy to understand uh, reasoning for uh, what the purpose of the law is and why tyranny is wrong. Uh, it was written by a French philosopher back from the time of the French Revolution. Yes, Frederick Bastiat. To... Right. What was that? Bastiat. Bastiat. Yes. Um, thank you for correcting my pronunciation.
0: Well, now. Um... I read the law and I thought yes, while it was short and yes, while I got it, I still thought it was sort of written in that old school language where people like me who were brought up in government schools have a tough time reading that sort of thing. You didn't have any problem with it?
10: Well, I didn't go to government schools. I was actually self-taught. Uh, um I homeschooled through my from K to tenth when I graduated. Nice. Uh, but uh, so I can't I can't help you with that. But I I, I found it to be um fairly concise i mean there was probably a little bit it was definitely old school you know it's it's pretty old it's a pretty old book but
2: mm-hmm.
10: i found it to be simple and easy to understand and i thought that the fact that it was older uh, for, at least for me gave it more credence that it wasn't point. just some guy who wrote it last year it was actually lasted through the centuries uh, but that's just the way i thought about it
1: well said. That's and, worked for the Bible for a
0: long time. Well, thank you. And thank you for the recommendation as well. And I think what you might want to do is if you're approaching somebody that at least expresses some interest, because if the person's not interested, there's no way in hell you're going to get them to read even a you know, 14-page pamphlet, let alone a, uh, an 85-page book. Uh, but if you've got somebody that's sort of on the hook to some extent, then it's always important to ask them, and this is in, in, in any area, but especially freedom – uh, it's always important to ask them, you know, what they would prefer. Do they like to read, or would they prefer something on DVD? You know, or would they prefer something audio-based to listen to? And find out what their preferred method of intaking media is, and then provide them with something in that category. So, you know, if somebody doesn't like to read a book, you certainly don't want to put a book in their hands. But nonetheless, for uh, for those who are looking for a good uh, short book with some principles in it, the law is a good one.
10: Uh, real quick for anyone who's looking to buy it instead of buying if you buy it on amazon or barnes and noble it's a lot more if you go to fee fee.org they're selling it for i think four dollars or six dollars a copy so it's actually very cheap
1: if you go to lfb.com you can uh i believe you get it uh included in an order Basically, oh, wow. yeah, they, they give away for free with an order. That's or cool. Like that. I, I don't know what the specifics are, but Thank you for Lfb. the call. We
0: appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 to the Amplifier Line. Johnson in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live.
1: You know, Ian, the more
11: I hear you say that about you not being able to read books with flowery language, the more I think that it's possible that the government schooling actually specifically is trying to do something to people who go to government schools.
0: Yeah, like dumb them down. They're
11: instructing them in a such a way to make them be averse. To that sort of language,
0: yes, they absolutely are. It's very difficult for me i uh, I have a tough time with it
1: I, you know, I i went to a uh private school for most of my schooling, and I don't particularly like that uh old school writing either so
11: I mean did you guys ever have classes where you had to you know read Shakespeare?
0: Yes, and I hated yes. them, and I think that's one of the reasons why i I'm averse to it is because they forced it down my throat.
11: But did you... Okay, now let me ask you this. In your Shakespeare classes, did you have your Shakespeare classes where they were paired with movies?
2: Yes, yes.
11: I think you, I don't know. After I... See, I I kind of went through that. I, I hated it at first, then after they started showing the movies, then I started to be able to read it clearly, and it was not a problem for me. I don't know. You know, like after that, once I got the, the cadence and how, how they were supposed to be phrasing the words, it just became clear to me. But... At any rate, that's not Yeah, I really think
0: in my whole high school career, I think I read maybe one of the books that they wanted us to read. You know, they always assign you with all these books, and they want you to write book reports, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, whenever you try to force something down someone's throat, whenever you have this curriculum that everyone must follow, inevitably people are going to be turned off by that, especially anti-authoritarians like myself. I know Julia, my girlfriend, feels the same exact way. The idea that they took this curriculum and said, here, you must absorb this, um, made us back away from it and, and completely lose interest. I think the only book I ever actually completely read in government high school was like ayn rand's anthem i think that was the only one ever the other ones i i completely ignored
1: and just totally bs the reports i undertook i undertook uh reading all the classics i could get in my hands on for quite some time and uh some of them were just very very difficult to uh to read and others i I managed to cruise through mark twain pretty easy to read
11: I mean, I bring up this example just because I'm currently reading from the Library of America. I'm slowly going through it, but it's uh, it's the debate on the Constitution, which is all the original letters that are between the Founding Fathers over, like, how things need to be handled in the formation of the Constitution. Mm. And that has very flowery language. I mean, it's nothing on the level of Shakespeare, sure. but I mean, what I found is that as I sort of read into it, you know, the, it started out a little bit difficult. And then it just that difficulty sorts of fade, sorts of like it fades away because different time periods have sort of a different way of speaking. It'd be like if I were reading a book in abonnics, you know, it might take a little bit of difficulty getting used to it first, but then you sort of pick it up.
0: Yeah, I, I get you. I understand what you're saying. It's just uh, it, I, it's never interested me, and I feel uh, I feel inferior when I read things like that. So I inevitably want to put them down.
11: But aside from my little joke, that's not really what I wanted to call about. What I wanted to call about was about the comments on violence. And you're talking about seeing a movie about World War II. And, you know, my comment on the whole thing with violence is that the reason you you brought me up earlier and said that I believe that violence is inevitable and I think that's going to happen. And part of the reason why is because I've done studies into these other countries because I kind of had the thought, you know, after seeing some of these different, uh violent horrible wars and horrible especially the situation in Darfur where there's just genocide going on how does a country get to that point and that's the kind of thought that went through my head is how do people get to the point of where they can hunt down their neighbors and you know family members Uh, Things like the Civil War, things like Darfur, uh, wars around the world, how does a a country get to that
0: point? Very carefully, I'd imagine.
11: (laughs) Well, no, not really. (laughs) I mean, you sort of can go through and you study the different history, and it just slowly becomes a fervor, and the languages are always the same. That's the thing, is if you study the different things, these different countries, and these different wars and conflicts, it's always the same things that make it come about, and it's happening here.
0: Can you Without give me question. some examples like the support our troops mentality is that one of them and support
11: our troops mentality is one of them uh safety over freedom that's another one uh there's start you know we we haven't really had a
0: There's the boogeyman there's always the boogeyman as well right, right? We
11: need a, we need a boogeyman well we need a, we would need a, you know to be really worried about it we would need a boogeyman that was internal as opposed to external right now all the boogeymen in this country are really for the most part External, you know, you're talking about Iraqis, you're talking about people, foreigners.
1: Well, what Uh, about uh, the illegal immigrants? They're internal.
11: You can bet that that may be what it would be. You can bet that that would be maybe a start.
1: Well, and and to
0: and to make it into the terrorist thing, they they're using the Iraq War as the excuse to say, well, we're fighting them there, so they don't come here. But all it's going to take is one instance of uh, at home style terrorism for all of a sudden the, the threat to become Which,
1: internal. You know, the, the uh, Homeland Security is is you know, they're it's, they're incapable of stopping uh, somebody who you know some secret cell that was willing to kill themselves. Johnson, hang
0: on. We'll continue this okay. video, mind. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on the police state of America or whatever's on your mind. How far are we away from some even scarier things happening here in America? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live show. You take control even in these remaining moments at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. It is a new month, and that means that all of the voting totals have been reset over at podcastalley.com, uh, the premiere podcasting website, the podcast ranking uh, website as a matter of fact and we by the way did finish last month at number one and that was thanks to those of you who went and voted for us last month so if you voted for us last month we need you to do it again and if you've never voted for us before, now's a perfect time to start head over to vote.freetalklive.com takes you less than a minute, all you need is your email address, Uh, it will not be spammed, won't be sold, it's just used to verify that you are indeed a real person Uh, so head over to vote.freetalklive.com and help Free Talk Live out, it makes a big difference for us, Because the longer we're number one, the more often we're number one, as we are right now, by the way, mm-hmm. the more people come across the show. And the more people coming across the show means more new people discovering freedom and liberty. And that's important, right? Vote.freetalklive.com. As we go back to Johnson in Connecticut, uh, we're talking about some ominous parallels between what's going on in the United States and other countries uh, of totalitarian stripes around the world. And you wanted to share some more with us.
11: Yeah, I just you know all this talk reminded me of a movie I've seen very recently um called Code 46 which has really had just a really interesting take um it it was talking about a very totalitarian uh very totalitarian government which in the movie they called the Sphinx um you know saying that the Sphinx knows best and uh, what this government does is it monitors everyone and, and actually check, checks people's genetic code um, and uh, sort of has all these checkpoints. People aren't allowed to move between countries and borders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much uh, about hurting people around. And part of the reason for this is that in this movie the, that um, as science and medicine has progressed, um, the... DNA and genetic code has started happening as people want to be more and more healthy, so they've started uh, doing things like in vitro fertilization and cloning and whatnot to um, sort of uh, control the population. And one of the things that's occurred due to this is because there are clones of people, right, Mm -hmm. that there have to be laws in regards to who can breed, because otherwise it's essentially incest. And the children being born of, for example, uh, people was sharing 100%, 50%, or 25% matching DNA would be flipper babies, <laughs> you know, because they right. would be they would come out retarded. So they have all these laws controlling who can breed, and people don't really know whether or not they're genetically compatible or not. Like, and and part of the plot of this one movie is that this guy. Um, well, I won't I won't get too much into it because I know you're gonna watch it, but. Um, and it's just it's very very interesting take i mean it also reminds me of another movie called fortress where they have population control over how many children can be born to a mother
0: no wait and, somebody's going to say johnson what this is hollywood i mean come on hmm? somebody gonna, somebody inevitably listening is going to say you're talking about hollywood johnson
11: oh yeah absolutely but hollywood and sci-fi sci-fi writers are always you know, they're the ones who are trying to predict the future. It's their livelihood. Um, especially in sci-fi, they're trying to come up with, you know, different sorts of views of the future. That's what they're writing about. And oftentimes, those things are either self-fulfilling or they just happen to be accurate. I mean, look at all the things that have come about that we have now that were originally, you know, just in the 60s, completely sci-fi from Star Trek. Sure. You know, how how many things have come about from there? I mean,
5: H.G. Wells...
11: If, if I had told you in the 60s that, you know, all the things that you could do on an iPhone, you would have thought I was a nutcase if I was going to say that that, that invention would be, uh, you know, available in 40 years. You know, uh, uh, you know, people, right now we have flying cars. We just can't use them because of the government.
1: Yeah, that's true. So uh, You know, when it comes to these iPhones, I'm a little unimpressed. It seems to me that everything the iPhone does, my trio did three years ago iPhone's a bunch of crap.
11: Well, you haven't looked into the iPhone very much, then. That's oh, all I, can say I know. It's going to
1: have integrated keyboards. and I stuff. Will, I
11: will agree that I'm not entirely 100% of, uh, impressed because there are some features that it's missing. But if you think that your Trio can do what the iPhone can, you are misinformed, sir.
1: No, my Trio can. What, what are you talking about? What what feature does the iPhone have the Trio doesn't?
11: Uh, that you can browse the web full the full web and a full uh, browser.
1: You're right. I can only browse Web 2.0. point the web.
11: Yeah, you can only browse the mobile web, which is next to, like, really I can't imagine geek to... battle! I, can't imagine, I cannot
1: imagine for a second the web being very interesting on an iPhone. I mean, it, it's got to be so minuscule yeah, and difficult said that to about browse.
11: Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you're one of those people that say nobody will ever watch a movie on a screen that small, and nobody will ever watch a video podcast That'll never happen. I,
1: I'm, I'm not sure that people are you're going like, to be watching movies like on screen that 64K
11: small. ought to be enough rim for anybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, all I know is that uh, the iPhone is a, a signifier of good things to come it's only going to be the it's only the first yeah, generation absolutely. it's only absolutely. the very very beginnings of uh, this sort of convergence uh, technology that's that we're seeing that with different electronic devices all sort of converging into one inevitably other manufacturers are going to jump in with similar products you know,
11: but it's this- Technology, I think, that's, that's, that could be part of what's so scary as far as for the future. I mean, you're going to have some people that adopt it and some that don't. I mean, another one of the things from this movie that I was talking about, Cold 46, is programmable viruses that people take to, you know, augment themselves or to, you know, and, and that was another, I thought, really cool uh, part of this movie is, you know, imagine taking a virus to improve your dental health or change the color of your eyes or to make yourself more uh, uh, sensitive to other people's emotions, hmm. uh, all these different things are you know are in there, and who knows you know maybe there could be uh, this type of habit comes out, and then they start to make government laws against that, yeah, you know, or, or and start to try and uh, weed people out and become racist against people who have taken a virus.
0: Good point, or, Johnson. Any final thoughts for us? That's it. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate okay. it. Let's go to Texas and talk to the free marketeer. You're on Free Talk Live.
12: Howdy. Um, yeah, I'm actually calling from the uh, Texas Medical District, uh, right outside of it. What is it's that? It's kind of funny. You guys have managed to hit on a topic, like three different topics <laughs> in the duration that I've been listening, waiting for you to answer, right?
2: Okay. <clears throat>
12: so uh, you guys were talking about the the iPhone. Uh, well, it just so happens that Ron Paul's campaign sent out a press release today saying that they're the first uh, campaign to offer a platform or the iPhones, all phones.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, so, I, I did get that, and uh, that's great. So although, ten people can go and look at their website. Right, that's, that's what I was thinking. It's it's a great press release. It probably will get some people's interest. I'm not sure that it, um, you know, how en- entirely used it will be. I don't think the iPhone's even released yet, right? No, it's out. It's, yeah, but
12: right before that, you guys were, uh, you know, talking to Johnson, saying, you know, oh well, people are going to write off what you're saying as like a Hollywood police state, right? Yeah. Ian, you remember saying that? Uh huh. Right about the time you were saying that, a police car pulls up in front of my apartment complex. Parks does something on their little, uh, you know, computer screens or whatever. A helicopter flies by, <laughs> and then the police car pulls away, <laughs> mm. all in, in the duration that you were talking about that. So that was a funny coincidence, but I actually called to talk about, to talk about the, uh, just the ineptitude of government schools and the people that call themselves professors in there, right? Okay. Like uh, a recent example is uh, my Economics of Latin America course where uh, a professor basically just didn't even know anything about the mercantilist uh, uh, policies of the 1600s, right? Like things responsible for the downfall of empires, multiple empires.
0: Mercantilism being where the government works hand in hand with uh, powerful business owners in order to uh, each each of them increase their power. Yeah, who's ever heard of that a right, concept like on that? On a
12: larger scale and still domestically, uh, the mercantilist philosophy demands that the nation be self sustainable. And so they limit uh the their participation their participation in the larger marketplace, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Sort of the fair Uh, trade concept. Well, we can't do business with them unless they do a business with us and uh, sell our products, allow us to sell our products fairly inside their country, that kind of thing.
12: They basically limit their benefits from the division of labor. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And she, you know, know, I tried to explain it to her a couple of times, but she kept interrupting me. And then eventually, I mean, this was a a non-exclusive economics class. Uh, So there were, you know, some, like, Spanish majors in there and stuff like that.
0: You've got about 30 seconds at, to wrap this up.
12: She looks at me and says, are you an economics major? And I said, yes. And she said, well, you should know this. And at that point, I was just like, <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so, so she was just completely not interested in hearing what you had to say.
12: It wasn't even what I had to say. I, I mean, I read a book by Douglas Norris called Mercantilism as a Rent-Seeking Society. I mean, he talks about this like Perfectly,
0: <laughs> But because um, it goes, it went against what uh, her worldview was, she completely shut you out and, right. and ignored you and moved on with her curriculum. Yeah. And this is supposed exactly. to be in the system where they supposedly encourage people to be open-minded. They supposedly encourage course. people uh, to explore other avenues.
12: Senior-level university course.
0: Amazing. Free Marketeer, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. And we will return tomorrow night. Online, same time, same place. You can join us, of course, online at freetalklive.com.